0: Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school. If we got good grades, like straight up phase The parents would take us to a '76 game. I got my game, and there ain't no shame. Big shots, the Mo Cheeks, and Moses Malone. Julius Erving called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, dad was Dawkins, and Tony sinking Freeze Rocky Bible will comes to South Philly. But if you wanna make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fish town without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95. Wanna get downtown, but feeling the fix. Get on that road, they six seventy six, the most expensive expense piece they'd be ever made about the same with what they got their game. Get Welcome to the 76ers Report with your hosts, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky-Blomaine. Welcome
1: back to another edition of the 76ers Report. Jeff McMiniman here, joined as always by ESPN Sixers insider Michael Kasky-Blomaine. And uh, we're here with the great Ben Simmons-Brandon Ingram debate episode, where we kind of come to a conclusion of who, in our opinion, should be the Sixers' number one pick on draft night. And uh, we're now on iTunes, so make sure to check us out and rate us on there. And as always, you can also follow us on the app Stitcher for all those Android listeners. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ersReport. So, Mike, I guess the best way to do this today would be to, you know, start with the guy who's been getting most of the publicity both locally and nationally, and uh, Ben Simmons, Uh, we already talked about, the report from Kevin Ding stating how the Sixers are kind of highly interested in taking Simmons at this point. Uh, but let's just kind of break down the stats for a moment from last season at LSU. Uh, you know, first of all, Simmons, you know, he's six ten, 225 pounds, just a ginormous frame for a, a guy that does the type of things he does. You know, in 35 minutes per game, he averaged 19 points, 12 rebounds, five assists and two steals per game on 56% shooting. He got to the foul line a great amount as well. You know, 199 of his 632 points last season came at the free throw line. Uh, I couldn't really find the the stat for how many points off of dunks or shots within, you know, one to three feet of the rim he had, but you'd have to imagine that that's around 200 points as well. So, you know, basically – you're looking at two-thirds of his points scored last season came from getting to the rim while shooting at a high percentage. Um, do you think that Simmons can kind of make an impact like this on the NBA level right away, or do you think that, you know, that might have been kind of the Jalil Okafor effect from last season on the Sixers, where the team he played on not being very good might have inflated his uh, counting stats a bit?
0: You know, I think the difference there between Okafor is that uh, Simmons is, you know, from what we've all been able to see, he's just able to affect the game in, uh, in so many different ways. Uh, you know, when it was it was Okafor dominating Duke, it was, uh, you know, it was strictly offensively he was basically just able to use his frame, uh, you know, on the low post combined with his advanced footwork and, uh, you know, just dominate, um, you know, that one aspect of the game. As far as Simmons, uh, you know, you alluded to his size, which is, you know, crazy considering the way he plays the game and that, you know, you know, some are considering putting him at the point guard position uh, as a, you know, in a 6'10 body, that's definitely a specimen right there. So I think it's a little bit different in, uh, you know, the fact that Simmons, I think, will maybe not necessarily be able to dominate or anything right away in the league, but uh, his ability to impact the game, uh, you know, is just so buried that I think that will certainly translate quickly, uh, you know, to the professional level.
1: Uh, today. You know, a beat writer who followed LSU all season from USA Today, uh, Glenn Gilbo was talking to Breakfast on Broad today and he said that, you know, he doesn't think Simmons should be taken number one and he says, uh, basically, um, he doesn't think he should be the first pick. I can see him being a high first round pick. Depends on the team he's going to. Uh, do they have enough other parts of the team where he can be a facilitator and a complementary player? Uh, he would have to go to a team where he can flourish as a complementary player. And, uh, Mike, I've heard this concern from a few people now. Um, Ricky O'Donnell from FB Nation said something similar back in February, saying that Simmons would have to be surrounded by kind of three perimeter shooters to be at his best. Uh, you know, what can you take from – From these statements that have kind of come out, um, you know, about Simmons' play?
0: You know, I don't think that's a knock at all. I mean, LeBron James did his best when he's surrounded by perimeter players. That's not necessarily a revolution, you know, considering the way he plays the game. Uh, You know, there's definitely questions, especially compared to Brandon Ingram, about how much he's going to be able to contribute offensively, especially right away. Uh, But, you know, to say that he can't be a guy uh, that – is built around. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that. And I think uh, you know the the LeBron comparison is a little bit played out at this point, And obviously, no one's saying that this kid is going to be anywhere near as good <laughs> as LeBron James. But uh, this, as far as the way he plays the game, uh, you know, I think that his his like ability to pass the ball and his ability to rebound and just impact it overall, uh, you know, I, I don't think that it's going to leave him necessarily susceptible to you know like what that guy was saying.
1: Yeah, you know, I myself have kind of made the argument that Simmons doesn't have to come in and play power forward, you know. Um, he might actually be a better fit at point guard, kind of like Greek Freak uh, down in Milwaukee. Uh, do you think this is something that might be on the mind of Brian Colangelo or Brett Brown when it comes to Simmons, or is he strictly coming in to start at power forward from the get-go?
0: No, you know, I think that's a fascinating question and obviously a big, you know, a big factor in, in taking him is where he's where he's actually going to play. Uh, you know, Ingram, it's, it's much more clear-cut. He's a, a three-small a forward. You can basically plug him in right now uh, as, as a small forward into the Sixers lineup or elsewhere, whereas Simmons it's a little bit more up in the air um, as far as people. some people saying that he could be a power forward. You, you know, like you just alluded to, some people saying it could be be a point guard. I, I think I read somewhere that uh, Jerry Colangelo referenced uh, Simmons being a point guard. I'd have to look that up, but I, I thought I remember seeing something like that. So I definitely imagine mm-hmm. it's on the minds of uh, you know Brian and Brett, especially who you know. I think we we've all seen the reports and well, we all know the background that you know he's he goes back to with him and his family um, from his time coaching overseas and whatnot. So you know, I think that it, it's definitely a possibility that with his skill set that they're at least considering starting him, you know, right off the top at point guard. If, you know, if they do do that, I think that's something that you have to commit to right from the beginning. You know, I don't think you could put him in a, you know, try him out a power forward or the three spot and then kind of switch in the point and, you know, off ball sometimes or whatever. I think if, if the team is going to use him as a, you know, the point guard going forward, a la Magic Johnson or, you know, the Greek freak like <laughs> you just referenced, then, uh, you know, that's something that I think they will obviously have to commit to and then build around specifically, um, you know, tailor to his talents, who they, you know, who else they bring in and what other pieces they have to the team. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be if, you know, obviously this is a month ahead of time. If Simmons does end up being the guy uh, that selected first overall, it'll be, I think, very interesting to hear the, the initial comments from, both Brett and uh, Brian or Jerry in regards to what their, uh, you know, plan is for Simmons moving forward?
1: Yeah, and I I mean, you can't go a day without seeing a report or a story linking the Sixers to a potential either Okafor or Noel trade. And, um, you know, if they do go the route of Simmons, we've kind of talked about that being a real possibility. Um, Just in terms of playing time amongst the big men on the team, And, uh, you know, what kind of players would the Sixers need to add to surround Simmons, uh, you know, if they were to take him, whether or not he starts that power forward or point guard, you know, that's another thing. But what kind of players would you need to surround Simmons with to be successful?
0: I think you said it earlier, uh, you know, perimeter players that can spread the floor. When you think about a guy like Simmons, 6'10", super athletic, you know, kind of being able to run out in the open court or run an offense, the best way for him to be able to attack the basket, which is, you know, at this point it's his strength since he's not yet, a, you know, a greater consistent shooter, uh, the best way for him to be able to do that is by having the floor spread with, you know, defenders that have to stick to their guys on the perimeter and opening up the lane, which is basically, the you know, the style of the, NBA is trending in general watching you know obviously what the way the Thunder have been playing and how the Warriors played all season how the Cavs have been playing in these playoffs it's all you know kind of a a style of bet right there being able to spread the floor go a little bit smaller Uh, so if Simmons regardless of where he played positionally on the Sixers if he's the guy I think you really need to you know this is something the Sixers have just needed in general over the past few years I think you really need to look for some perimeter players both uh you know, shooting guards and, and small forwards that that can shoot and you know get up and down and, and transition and, and play some D. Uh, you know, the, the trend towards three and D type players in the league today is, you know, it can't be understated. And I think it would be especially considering you know the front court. The Sixers seem like they really have established. Uh, you know, considering that the, the guys are already on the roster, I think they really need to add not just one but at least you know a couple different perimeter players that can. Both spread
1: the floor and play some beat. Now, you know, if they were to to trade Okafor to the Celtics, to the Suns, to, you know, the, the Nuggets, there, there's a lot of potential destinations, I guess, for him. Um, you know, who is who's the best shooter in the draft that you're looking at um, to maybe come in and play a shooting guard on this team?
0: Uh, if we're talking just strictly the draft, you know, I think a, a lot of people would, you know, point to Jamal Murray, um, who is not necessarily kind of uh, a tweener. He played some point guard at Kentucky, but uh, you know his stroke, obviously, um, it's one of the one of the best we've seen coming out of college basketball this season. Uh, his overall abilities elsewhere uh, is where my questions about him as a, as a pro come out. But, you know, he's obviously a guy that can at least shoot, which is something that the team would need. And then, you know, another guy that seems to be kind of a, you know, a lightning rod as far as whether players want him or not is Buddy Heald. Um, you know, he's another guy right there. I don't know if they had a, a YouTube video of him up recently. Practicing his threes from, uh, I was like 30 feet out, and he was just flashing them left and right. And, you know, obviously he showed throughout the year and throughout the tournament, especially that he's able to just score, uh, you know, be it from shooting from the perimeter or driving to the basket. Uh, you know, uh, he's a guy that would potentially work, you know, not as your top pick, obviously, but if you got a guy like Simmons and are looking to add other young players that can spread the floor and help on the, especially on the offensive end, that uh, he's another guy that you might look toward.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have uh, Dario coming over. Um, What can be said about him, I I mean, he's a 40% shooter from the outside, a 90-plus free-throw shooter, you know, 46 or 49. Only missed three free-throws this whole season. And if you look at the list of the top ten, you know, NBA free-throw percentage leaders last season, Uh, All these guys shot over 88% on the year. Um, If you kind of correlate that to the amount of three-pointers they made, you know, Seth Curry, number one, shot 402 or made 402. Jamal Crawford made 117. Kevin Durant, 186. Chris Paul, 122. Dirk Nowitzki, 126. Damian Lillard, 229. Chris Middleton, 143, JJ Reddick, 200. You know, it, it seems like there's a trend here between these great free throw shooters and the amount of, you know, three pointers that they can potentially make. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that necessarily when Dario comes over, he's going to be able to make an impact like that right away. But, you know, how exciting is that to to just know you have a guy of that shooting caliber that, you know, can potentially give that threat to Simmons if need be.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely super promising. You know, Dario's kind of been like the mystery man since, uh, you know, he was drafted two years ago. You know, some of, the, some of the diehard followers and media members have tracked his play overseas. But, you know, the, the public in general has seen very little of um, him actually out on the basketball court. So I think a lot of people don't know necessarily what to expect you know, when he comes over here in general. Uh, so to, to hear and to see he's, you know, improved statistically if you're just looking at stats, um, you know, he's improved over the course of the year, over the past couple of years shooting-wise. Uh, and it's just exciting to have another young talent with its, its experience in season two. You know, I think that was uh, when they picked him a couple of years ago, it's nice that, you know, at the time it was rough to have to wait to see him, but it was nice that he was at least playing in high levels of competition Kind of growing his game while he, you know, he was still under control of the Sixers, and now I think they'll get to see the benefits of some of that maturation that, uh, you know, he's gone under over the past couple years in Turkey. And he, you know, at this point, he's almost like the third throw-in to not throw-in, but like the third thing people are excited about this season. Obviously, we have the number one pick, and then the potential of Embiid finally coming back for the team, and then after that, there's, you know, potential Dario joining. So all those things. And, like combine obviously is a uh, a lot of excitement but Dario himself can you know I think he can be a, a guy that really has a, an impact on
1: the team. Yeah, I mean if there's one guy that that I'm most excited for uh I mean <laughs> clearly Joel Embiid is a guy but I mean Dario Saric is is right up there with him, you know. Uh, I think just not being able to see a guy, you know, you would see all these Joel Embiid kind of workouts pre-game and, and stuff like that. Um, it's different than, you know, looking at stats on a computer screen. You know, I didn't get a chance to really watch Dario play in, you know, the, the professional games that he's been playing in. I mean, I know that uh, the team he's on is up 2-0 in the Euro EuroLeague, uh, I guess, playoffs right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a lot different being able to see a guy play, you know, every month or so and, and practice. And, you know, you'll, you'll see him beads little like floaters from the foul line and, um, you know, his, his decent stroke from the outside. So it, it's a little different just kind of hearing how good Sarek is. And we won't really know until, you know, he comes over and we see him in those first couple of games and, you know, we haven't even discussed whether or not he's going to play in Summer League because we've had so much of our focus on Embiid. Um So it should be interesting, you know, to, to see what he can bring the team. But uh, once again, this is the 76ers Report. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Katsky-Blomain. And, uh, you know, I feel like we've discussed Simmons enough at this point. Uh, we can kind of move on to Brandon Ingram. Uh, he still stands atop draft expresses, uh, draft board at the number one pick for the Sixers, and you know he is six foot nine, 195 pounds. He still has a lot of weight to put on, like we've discussed. But you know that seven foot two wingspan that he has is just you know extremely impressive. You think about the defensive potential that he can bring you, um, you know, playing the small forward with a wingspan like that. And uh, in 34 minutes per game last season for Duke, he averaged 17 points, seven rebounds, two assists, and one block per game. He shot 41% from three-point range and 44% overall. And one thing that Ingram and Simmons will both need to work on in the NBA is free-throw shooting, which I, I found kind of odd for Ingram just because, you know, he's known as this great shooter, only shot 68% from the three free-throw line, Uh, Simmons shot 67%. Um, Ingram scored 240 of his 624 points last season from the outside, or basically one-third of his points. He scored 268 from two-point range, and the rest were from the free-throw line. Um, So pretty balanced offensively compared to Simmons. You know, it seemed like Simmons was more the attacking the basket, drawing fouls. you know, scoring most of his points that way. Uh, but, Mike, what do Ingram's stats tell you overall just looking at them?
0: Uh, they tell me mainly that he can score. Uh, you know, he he can put the ball in the basket at a pretty advanced level, and especially considering his size. Uh, you know, both him and Simmons are, uh, you know, obviously pretty – has he's 6'9", Simmons is 6'10", um, you know, either of those guys on the perimeter is a lot of length, and they both have, you know, a high, uh, very high, like, potential on the defensive end. And it, that's, like, what kind of makes this debate so interesting is that there really doesn't seem to necessarily be a wrong answer at this point, uh, you know, whichever way, uh, you know, points can be made in both directions as far as which, which one they want to go with, it's, you know, Ingram's offense is obviously much more diverse uh, at this point, and it almost seems like it would, you know, as many people have said, as though it would plug in better uh, more immediately in today's NBA, obviously with his ability to spread the court. um, You know, he made 83s on the season, whereas Simmons took only three, uh, you know, which is something that you mentioned um, when we were talking the other day, making one of them. So, you know, obviously that's something that Simmons would need to work on, whereas Ingram already has, you know, the, the touch from outside and, and the ability to spread the floor. So, you know, it's it's really one of those situations where it almost seems like you can't go wrong and it's a matter of just, like, what, you know, what the team prefers. But I think Ingram, um, you know, definitely will, you know, will be able to score quickly in the NBA and for a long time.
1: And we've talked about – You know, Ingram's fit with the team. In uh, Ricky O'Donnell's same article that I mentioned before about Simmons, he says this about Ingram uh, more than anything, Ingram just fits better in most NBA offenses from the jump than Simmons will. Ingram's shooting ability allows him to essentially slide in anywhere and makes him a much bigger threat off the ball. Um, Do you understand O'Donnell's point here, Mike? And, you know, what do you make of just that statement there?
0: Yeah, I definitely understand it, and that was kind of my concern. One of my, like, only concerns really about Simmons before the lottery. Uh, You know, we've been talking about these two for a while, and I've always been kind of open to to either or. It's, It's one of those situations where, you know, like I said, I don't think you could go wrong, but I definitely understand what he's saying, especially when you consider the style of play. Um, in today's NBA, every team can use, you know, an athletic uh, a shooter that can spread the floor, knock down threes, and play some defense and get up and down on a fast break. Like, you literally, like, any team that's competitive in today's NBA could use a player like that and wouldn't necessarily need to alter, you know, their scheme or, or change, like, their playbook or their system to incorporate that skill set into what they're doing, whereas Simmons obviously is a little bit different uh, in the way that he impacts the game. And kind of controls it more so where you know an offense like I said before if he was the guy um that they take it would kind of need to be tailored around him a little bit more specifically which isn't a bad thing you know considering his skill set but it's just uh you know like his point is you know it's it's valid in in, in that Ingram is you know his versatility makes him appealing to you know teams and in, in the idea that they could use him um you know, immediately without having to change too many things, which is where Simmons, you, you might have to work things out a little bit more with his selection.
1: And if the Sixers do take Ingram, you know, it seems like they'll probably, you know, do the same thing, get rid of Okafor and OL as well, but uh, not for minutes reasons in this case, more for kind of building to win. Um, you know, say you trade Okafor to the Celtics, Suns, or Nuggets, uh, you grab Chris Dunn or Jamal Murray, do you think that the team has a greater chance of winning games next year than they would if they did a similar type of move, but drafting Simmons instead? Uh,
0: I mean, if, if uh, I hope that's not the goal. Of, you know, up top, obviously, next winning the most games next year rather than, you know, kind of continuing the vision that Hickey laid out for, you know, sustainable success going forward. Uh, you know, but... Right away, statistically, I mean, Ingram might have a better season. It's, It's hard to project, honestly. But, you know, with two young players like that coming in, I don't really expect there to be, like, a ton of success for the Sixers right away. Anyway, I mean, you look at a a team like the Timberwolves who, uh, you know, have in Carl Anthony Towns one of the, you know, already one of the better players in the league and Wiggins who, uh, you know, is still, you know, a potential multi-time all-star. And they were, you know, in the bottom five of the league again. So it's going to take, I think, again, a little while, you know, even once all this talent is added this summer uh, to kind of gel and to – for the team to start really getting a feel for itself. It's going to be such a different – Everything about the team is just going to be so different next season. You know, like the the roster is going to be different, the the intent of what they're doing is different, the hierarchy, the front office is different. It's just it's going to be a completely different feel overall. So, you know, I wouldn't be against um, you know doing a move to trade Okafor, but I'm also not not one of these people that's on Twitter. I've seen some you know it's just some ridiculous statements fans around here just really basically trying to just give give Okafor away. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily ready to just, like, hand him away yet. Uh, you know, if if the return was was correct and they, you know, especially considering the fit, you know, going forward, you know, if there's what is coming back to the Sixers or something that they think could help, you know, the, the team going forward immediately, I would do it. But otherwise, you know, Okafor is still, you know, only 20 years old. I'm just not super eager just to push him out the door without a, a proper return.
1: Yeah, I mean, from what you've seen from Brian Colangelo, uh, whether or not, you know, you believe the reports or not, it, it seems like he thinks a lot higher of Nerland's Noel at this point. You know, he sees him as, you know, potentially a building block for the future. He hasn't come out and said that about Okafor yet. Um, you know, it, it's it's a little weird and to go along with his quotes about just, you know, they're in the win-now win, win now mentality, you know, this is the end of the rebuild, it's time to move on and, and finally start winning basketball games. Um, you know, is it easy to to read into those things and say, oh, you know, maybe I do kind of believe what Brian's saying here, you know, maybe he is serious and, you know, Okafor really is on tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think a, a lot of people
0: are just kind of assuming that, you know, he's going to be gone one way or another. And, you know, it makes sense, obviously, all things considered the return that he would get the team control for three more years. And uh I think a lot of Sixers nation was definitely happy that, that what seemed to be kind of like a, a pledge of confidence in, in Nerlens that you were just talking about there. Uh You know, it's he's a, a guy that's been here obviously for three years now with, you know, throughout the rebuild. And uh, I think he, if you know if the team is committed to him, I I do think that's a smart decision. Not not commenting on Okafor one way or another, but in the same way that Ingram can fit in in today's NBA, I think Nerlens can can fit at least better than Okafor. Whereas you know a guy that can just protect the rim and get up and down the floor and finish uh, and play some defense, that's you know very important in in the league today. Whereas Okafor obviously uh you know I'm not not here to bury him or anything like that but he had obviously had his struggles on the defensive end and as far as you know running an offense with him out there he, he tends to take up you know some of the shot clock and kind of kill uh kill some of this uh, momentum of an offense so there's a lot of questions about him going forward and I think uh flexibility wise and you know to be able to fit and have success in today's NBA as well is just a you know, a guy that you can really kind of bank on as being a, a defensive anchor, uh, which is, you know, what what you really want out of the big men in today's NBA.
1: And, I mean, it's hard not to look at what uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder have been doing to the Warriors, you know, pu- pushing them onto the brink to the uh, 3-1 series deficit at the moment. Um, you know, you look at Russell Westbrook and what he's done, you look at Kevin Durant and what he's done, you know, do you see a world in if the the Sixers did draft Ingram and they did, you know, trade Okafor for for Chris Dunn, you know, who's been compared to John Wall himself, do you see a world in them being as kind of that power duo that the Thunder have down the road?
0: I mean, we could hope, right? (laughs) That would be a – that would definitely be nice. It's, it's obviously, you know, hard to project that far ahead with two, you know, two players that have yet to play. But, uh, uh, the fact that there's even potential for that to happen is very, you know, obviously very exciting. Uh, Chris Dunn is a guy that, you know, a lot of people are saying he wouldn't necessarily fit next to Simmons if Simmons was the first pick, but, um, if Ingram was the guy that was selected first overall, Dunn, Dunn might be a better fit, obviously, because of, uh, you know, shooting shooting ability. But, yeah, the comparisons for Dunn, uh, John Wall, I've heard uh, Jordan Clarkson is one that uh, I think NBA draft, uh, net had his comparison at. So, I mean, there's definitely some, some promise in him as a player. And, uh, you know, since we need to address that, you know, that kind of point guard position, it, it would be kind of nice to get a point guard, or, you know, if say if Ingram was the guy, to get another guard in at the same time as him, that they could kind of grow together and form something, uh, you know, like what Westbrook and Durant has. Because this is, what, like the sixth, seventh season now that those guys have been together. And, uh, you know, you can really tell that a bond between them has, you know, grown on both on and off the court and has obviously contributed to. Um, you know, their, the success that they're experiencing right now in the Western Conference Finals. So I think, you know, if they were able to kind of adri- like add a young core like that, that they could, they could grow together for the future of the franchise, I think that would be, you know, great and exciting because that opens up potential for, you know, free agents a couple of years down the line. I, I don't think either of us really expect top tier free agents to be calling up the Calantula <laughs> this summer and saying, saying that they want to come to Philly. But, uh, a couple years down the road, or even a year down the road, if, you know, some of these guys, the first pick, Mm -hmm. whoever else shakes out the summer, starts showing some promise, and starts to look like a team that could really be a piece or two away from competing, uh, you know, especially in the the Eastern Conference, that would be, you know, Mm -hmm.
1: that would be huge. Yeah, so, I mean, outside of that, I mean, my biggest worry, I guess, with Simmons Mm -hmm. is you know, we, we kind of had a player in Philadelphia not too long ago that did a lot of things very well, but nothing great. Um, you know, he's out in Golden State now, Andre Godala. Obviously, you know, different body size, not the same level of prospect, but, you know, Andre was super athletic, uh, could rebound, could pass. But, you know, the the thing to his game was he couldn't really shoot well, Um you know, he he kind of needed those players around him to do well, and they just happened to never really come here until, I guess, if you count Drew Holiday, as uh you know an elite shooter, um you know they they weren't really surrounding Andre after uh you know the team was kind of handed to him by Allen Iverson. Um, do you think that you know if Simmons came to Philadelphia, ownership would be able to you know, draw in that that caliber of talent um, to surround Simmons with that would take this team to the next level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would have to assume so. Philadelphia basketball, you know, the passion, especially with the fan base is there. I really think once this team starts to, you know, show some improvement on the court, that the buzz in the city is just going to be big. I mean, the fact that the, the team was able to maintain not only the level of popularity, but kind of, you know, new popularity and the whole Sam Hakey, you know, process trusted thing
1: and the national
0: attention that it's got and the fact that,
1: you know, a lot
0: of the games that I was at over the past three years, at the Wells Fargo Center, well, they might not necessarily have been sold out. They weren't empty. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of people in those stands. And I think once the team starts to compete, especially if you can finally nail down a star for the team, which, you know, it just has been not here since Iverson there has been, you know, Aguinaldo. Uh, obviously, you pointed to Drew Holiday had an All-Star season um, one year, but there has there has not been, you know, a foundational start here since Iverson was shipped out to Denver. So uh, getting that in place first to build from, and then, uh, you know, some other foundational pieces along the side, whether hopefully it's Embiid or Sarich, um, Nerlens or who else, you know, whoever else comes over. Uh, you know, once that's established and, you know, the, the whole benefit of, of the Colangelo's too is obviously their, uh, you know, their time and connection developed in the league. And there's with the the uh, cap expanding, too, there's just so much money on the market. And I think there's a lot of players that are, you know, going to be hungry to take on large like roles with other teams and show that what they can do, especially, you know, with a young Sixers team. A uh, year or two down the road, I, I think it could certainly develop it to, uh, you know, an attractive destination.
1: So, we're we're running out of time. Uh, I mean, it, it's pretty much decision time here, I guess I would put it. I think we've shown both sides pretty well between, you know, Simmons and Ingram, what you know each can potentially bring to the team and and everything along those lines. So, Mike, you know who do you choose as your number one pick next month when it's all said and done? Well, this
0: is where it gets good, Jeff. Because if I'm correct, I think we are at opposite sides of this right now. Uh, you know, all the way leading up to the lottery, I just I said literally to anyone that asked me, all I cared about was getting a top two pick. Because these guys were pretty close in my mind—not as not close as far as skill set, but close as far as this, I I think they're both going to be great for for the franchise. Once we got that number one pick, though, and it was, like, solidified, my it's just been Simmons in my mind. I think his ceiling is just higher, and I think, like, his potential of being not great is lower than, you know, Ingram, who I think could be, you know, obviously could be, people are comparing him, you know, upwards with Kevin Durant, which is obviously great if that shakes out. But if he's not able to develop at that same rate, you could end up, you know, he reminds me of almost like a Tayshaun Prince-ish guy who's, you know, also not bad. But if you're talking about the first pick in the draft, you don't want a Tayshawn Prince. Uh, I just think Simmons is, you know, his ceiling so high and what he could potentially be and the multitude of ways that he could, like, impact the game. Uh, and, like, especially in today's league, a 6'10 dude, like, size and athleticism like that combined into a package, it's just it doesn't come by often. I mean, this is a dude that we've been hearing about uh, you know, for two years now, at least, about how he was the next LeBron James and this and that. And I just, you know, I don't think it was all hyped by this many different people at this many, you know, from this many years of of uh, him playing ball, uh, you know, internationally at this point. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be heartbroken. It's not like, uh, you know, I'm not like absolutely set on him, but I just think that, um, you know, especially considering the Sixers not, it's, it would be different if they were like a piece or two away and looked into a draft pick and already had, you know, kind of like a foundation set. There's there's so much, much uncertainty surrounding the Sixers roster that, you know, fit takes a little bit of a back You know, obviously that Ingram, we both think would, you know, quote unquote, be a better fit right away. But, uh, you know, for a team that still needs to develop and add so many more pieces, uh, I think you don't need to necessarily worry about that. And, you know, that's for me. I think he, I think he go with Simmons. But uh, you know, I know we've both been high on Ingram uh, from the jump. So uh, I'm curious, is that is he, are you still sticking with Ingram? Yeah,
1: I, you know, I'm still sticking with my guns. I, I honestly, you know, I, you can't really say that there's there's much fit on a team that won 10 games last season. But I still just think that you know, in the grand scheme of things. I think that Ingram puts them in the better position to win sooner. You know, I've already had to wait three seasons of losses, and you know, I'm not ready to to give another three to find the right pieces to surround Simmons with in order to win. Um, and I, I know, you know, it's not the mm-hmm. the grand con, consensus by by most of the experts, uh, by you know the local media. But I I just think Ingram, you know, his scoring ability will be evident, you know, right from the get-go. And I feel like, you know, Simmons might struggle against, you know, bigger competition down low, where he kind of could play bully ball in college and, you know, played in the weak SEC where, you know, he didn't really have that, that same level of competition where, you know, Ingram's going to be yeah a smaller frame, of course, but you know his height and length, I think will get him over the top as opposed to you know Simmons kind of playing that uh point forward, if you will so yeah I mean, I think if Ingram does come to the sixers, I would be really intrigued to see him play point guard i I think you know the lack of point guard on this team, you know the past few seasons has has just been such a killer to, to everything they've been trying to do. So to have a passer of that caliber, you know, why plan that power forward when you have, you know, potential players that can fit in that position and play well. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I'm still with Ingram, you know, things might change uh, within the month leading up to the draft here. Uh, but, you know, that's where I stand. I, I think he's just going to, you know, enter the league um, at a fast pace scoring wise and really help this team, you know, get to where they want to be to kind of take the next step. But, you know, once again, this was the 76ers report. I'm your host, Jeff McManaman, alongside Michael Cassie Blomain. And next week, we'll have on draft expert Andrew Johnson from Nylon Calculus. Uh, he's kind of dug into the analytics of all the prospects and has some great insight on that. So uh, we'll catch you next week, and thanks so much for listening.
0: 82, man, it was real cool in cool if we got good grades, like straight up babes, the families will take us to a 76 game, I got my game and there ain't no shame, big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone, Julius Erber called Philly is home, Bobby Jones, David Dawkins and Tony thinking Freeze, Rocky Bible comes come to South Philly, but if you wanna make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know, so get to Fishtown without all that job, i suggest that you drive on I-95, wanna get downtown but in the fix, get on that Oh, they cost $6.76, the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate. The ever made a balance ain't paid with what they got, to game. Getting on, getting on, 76 travel by me, this Larry Bird.